I used a term this week in the authentic, which I like. Don't bear with me, build with me. Amen. Don't bear with us, you're looking to build with us. So this morning we are going to make a prophetic declaration. Is that okay? I can assure you, you don't have to say, it might be a bit dodgy, so I'll just let this one go. I assure you, you will agree with this. So are we ready? Point number one. Today, the enemy will not steal the seed which is sown in my life. Amen? Today, the cares of life will not choke the seed which is sown. Today, immaturity will not reduce the seed in me. Today, I am good soil and my life will produce a harvest. Today, I have broken up my unplowed ground. I pray the Holy Spirit sends the rain from heaven to water my seed. Today, if I have never produced before, I will produce a 30-fold. And if I produce 30, I will produce 60. And if I produce 60, I will produce 100-fold. Today, cause my life to work with and not against the seed sown in my life. Today, let the seed flourish in any and every environment. And the people of God said, Amen. Okay, you can sit down. Hey. Ooh. There's wind in our sails this morning, amen? Oh, bless God. It's amazing that God knows what he's doing. He might take me by surprise, but he still knows what he's doing. Pastor Tony said to me in the coffee shop, he said, um, do you have a title for this morning's message? Now, I'm always kind of a bit dodgy where titles are concerned. I say to the guys at the back, just pick one, something to say, stick something on it. But I said I had two, two subjects, but the two titles were this, what do you see? And the second part of that is coming to faith. But this morning, even through the worship and the things that are being declared, the statement that keeps coming back more and more is what do you see? I want to make a statement, and I say this not in its full entirety, I'm just sowing something with you this morning. Here in the Dream Center, the Lord has prepared and built a healthy womb for nurturing his word and the prophetic seed which is sown. You might not understand what I'm saying, but bear with me. One thing I can declare and hold and say before God with a completely clean heart is that as a leadership, we have gone after, pursued, and held tightly to any word which has been released by God by, the, by those servants of God into this house prophetically, we have held on to the word. We've been diligent to record. We've been di- uh, diligent to work with. That seed that God has been uh, putting forward has been sown into the womb of the dream center. But yet, even though that seed has been sown, we have not seen all of those seeds yet come to full fruition. Would that be fair? There is a parallel that runs between the natural and the spiritual. And to do this, we could shout on Mel and say, come on, Mel, get all your little diagrams out, get your charts out, your PowerPoint, because now she is a top midwife communicator. She just passed it, got a certificate. The parallel that we see is this, that as a woman would naturally produce eggs that are released into her, there is no baby until it meets the sperma. When there is impregnation, there is a baby which will be born or produced once that egg finds that healthy place within the womb. Ladies, am I all right? Am I still okay? Are we all right, Mel? All right, I'm okay. So I'm still on safe ground. What we need to do is ask ourselves the question, if we are not seeing a baby produced or if there is a delay in that, what is missing? If God is releasing the seed and he's already declared, my word is established in heaven, what needs to be established in us that will cause the momentum shift that will see that which he is declaring born? Yes? So that's where we're at this morning. I will be, 
I'm telling you now, and I'm apologising right up front, I will be over-egging the pudding. I will be making a point, and then I will get out my highlighter pen, and then I'll draw a circle around it, and then I'll put it in capital letters. So before you get frustrated with me, I will be over-egging the pudding. Is that all right? Because there is a point, I believe, that we need to capture this morning. So if you've got your Bibles uh, with your turn with, to me with Jeremiah 1, I want to read just a few verses from there. Jeremiah chapter 1. And it says this, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I point you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me, and what do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Amen. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. We have been saying that this house, and when we say this house, pull this down a bit, I'm going to get feedback. When we say this house, we also mean us as individuals. The word of the Lord is sown inside of us. Amen. The word of the Lord came to Chris. The word of the Lord came to Veronica. The word of the Lord came to Dorothy. Whoever you are this morning, the word of the Lord is being sent out. Now, we've already established the word of the Lord is settled in heaven. But he's still sending his word out. Now, this is a great thing. When you start to see and the Holy Ghost starts to open your eyes... The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Is that the scripture we just read? The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. But God asked him a question. And what was the question that the Lord asked him? What do you see? The scripture does not say, I was caught in the spirit. I saw a vision. I was asleep and I had a dream. The word came to him. Yet God asked him, what do you see? It's absolutely key that we start to see what God is saying. We don't just hear, we start to see. He asked him, what do you see? And he said, I see the branch of an almond tree. Then he goes on to say, and a pot falling towards the north. But the Lord responded, you have seen correctly. If you can see correctly, you can see incorrectly. God is starting to line him up. Now, here's one of those things. Let's not get caught into being slightly strange and new ageism, and let's get out there into the world in the big, bad, crazy places and get into the land of visualization. But I tell you this, if you do not see something in your spirit, you can never build towards it. There are lots of books that you can go out and read and you can buy and you can convince yourself and get into some form of mild hypnosis. Think and grow rich. See yourself thin. If you see yourself thin, stay off the chips. You can convince yourself all day, I will be thin. But if you eat more and move less, you will never be thin. That's basic one-on-one. Is that good? See, we're helping with the health even this morning. It's not just your spiritual life we're dealing with. But you can be caught into this whole area of, if I just think and visualize something, it'll all change. It won't. Things don't change just because you live in this strange world inside your own head and said it'll all be different tomorrow. Even when you read books like Think and Grow Rich, if you don't budget, you don't save, you don't bring your life into alignment, the principles of that can never be applied out because you never have seed or anything to grow rich with. Does that sound like common sense? So when God turns around and says to Jeremiah, what do you see? He started to sow and build something inside of him. Now, ladies, again, help me here, ladies. As a fella, you have to help me. I remember that wonderful day when I came home from work. It was like yesterday. 
I came home from work and Ange declared this wonderful statement. We're pregnant. And you know what happens as a fella? Apart from fear washing over you and you're going, tell your face something different to what you feel on the inside. You know that whole, (gasps) take a deep breath and it never comes back out again moment. But here's the thing. Ladies, you can be pregnant and in being pregnant, you know what it feels like that something is changing on the inside of you. Is that right? So you feel that maybe you're, what they always say, oh, ladies, you've got a wonderful glow about you. Yeah, try living with them. There's no glow. You feel the glow. You feel something different. The, all things start to change in your body. The mood changes. The hormones are changing. All of that stuff. Girls, help me. Don't leave me here hanging. All of this stuff is kind of going on. But I'm still a fella going, we're pregnant. All I've got is a word that says, we're pregnant, but there's nothing. And then comes the day. You trundle off to the hospital. So you trundle in, and you're the proud parents, and you walk through, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Clark, and you come in room three, and she whips down, the jelly goes on. They put on the HDTV, don't they? You're looking for Sky Sports, but you can't find it. And they pull out the device, and they do the ultrasound on the belly. And then, as a man... Speaking of, as a man myself, that is the first time we became pregnant. Because now I own something because I've seen something. You can tell me all day how great you feel and the whole world's turning upside down and it's great. This is what we've got and it's wonderful and we're going to have the baby in so many months. To us, if we don't see it, I'm living there trying to be happy with you. But I can't be happy with you until I make the connection. Does that kind of make sense? So we're looking to make that connection. Now here's the thing. The Lord said to Jeremiah, what do you see? And then said to him, you've seen correctly. If you don't see clearly, you might move to belief, but you never move to faith. I can believe for it, but I don't have the faith for it. And there is a distinct difference between believing and coming to faith. Your own journey, I can speak of my journey, but if we speak as us as a corporate house and individuals, maybe the word of the Lord was spoken to you, you lay held of something, a promise came, somebody gave you the word, God spoke to you in the secret place, whatever it is, that word came. But unless you take it, lock it into your own life, and then move to activation towards it, all it ever is is a word. I don't like doing it, but I'll do it anyway, because I believe this morning it will help. And that is using a personal testimony when you're ministering like this. I was in an awkward situation a couple of weeks ago. It was awkward for me, but nobody knew it was awkward for me. It was just awkward for me. I'd been out with Pastor Tony and our Dan. We'd been out. There's always one. Been out with Pastor Tony and our Dan. And we're just sat at a table and we're just having a laugh and a joke and just doing a few bits and bobs. And Pastor Tony made a statement. And the statement was this. He turned around and says, Dan. Do you realize your dad's going to be a millionaire? And it was the first time I didn't argue with him. (laughs) Well, you see, that sounds funny. But it's not, because David will know if Tony and I decide we're having a moment, like Alistair Cook and whether how many runs he can score, those kind of issues where we'll bounce things backwards and forwards. The issue was this, a long time ago, God spoke to me about our own situation financially being his pocket and other things. And as that has been stripped and being built out and God had been working with in different areas, I believed the word, but it never became settled. And then over the last couple of months, 
God has settled that word. So now when somebody turns around and says, oh, you're going to be this, I'm not fighting with it. And I'm also not hitting the bracket of some kind of false humility that goes, oh, well, well, if the Lord wants to bless us, that's very nice, but I'll do my best. And I just want to serve that. Please, let's not get all spooky spiritual. Let's not get all spooky spiritual. The word had to learn to become associated and established with me. I do not have permission, so I won't share everything, but I'll share a little bit. I told you in January there was a testimony building. Part of that testimony, I also said last time we ministered, the testimony that we share, we might have to delay, delay the testimony because it might become more of a stumbling block than a blessing. So we'll remove the stumbling block by removing some details. In January, Kevin and I took on what is deemed to be our biggest project. Our biggest project that came from nowhere, we, so we, we thought somebody was spending 500 quid, grew into, for some reason, we don't know why we trust you, but we do. That's fine. Then the Lord, one day, Kev was poorly, he had a, a bout of um, an issue that had arisen, he couldn't come. So we went, and on the way I was going, God, I'm not technical. I do design. Kev does technical side. And I just really felt the Lord say, say this, 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 and this. Okay. So we're learning to listen. Sat down in a meeting. The guys are asking, what do you want? We want this, 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 and this. I'll get my coat now because I'm getting ready to be thrown out. The guys went, well, it seems all right to us. I came back, told Kev. Kev nearly fell off his chair and said, you asked for what? Well, yeah, we've asked for this. This job is five times bigger than anything we'd ever done before. And our biggest project was Phones for You, which was a big project. This was five times bigger. Coming back from Malaysia, there was an issue that we had. One day, there was something being sown in the spirit. We needed one key person to make our business work. One key person. And one day this word came out and I grabbed it. Something hit, all I can say is that something hit my spirit and it was a done deal. The done deal was we can have this person to help us move forward. Spoke to Pastor Tony, said, look, this is how I feel. And we sat in the room, didn't we? Said, let's just seal it. Said, God, we're not even asking for this. We're thanking. It's sealed. The guy's here. I came home. That person that we need, Kev, we've got. Kev looked at me and went, no way. He's no way leaving where he is. Kev, the only issue is how much he'll cost us. We've got him. Made a phone call, went to see him. You've got me. Sorted. But coming home on the plane, conversation number two. God turned around and said, when you go back, go back to the company and tell them this. Put a proposal to them. This is what you're supposed to say. So, Kev, we're having another conversation. Kev, this is what I believe the Lord's saying. Kev goes white. I said, now we're going to ask for this. All I need you to do, Kev, stand with me. Just stand with me, but say nothing. Just say nothing. Because that's, that's not a blight on Kev. That's a blight on anybody. Because what you do is you start to speak and then start to try and explain what you're trying to say. Don't fill in the gaps. We sat in a room with the guys, the two directors. And I said, right, this is it. We're coming towards the end of the project, blah, blah, blah. But moving forward, this is what we want. And I'm laughing as I'm trying to tell them, you know, with that nervous kind of laughter, like going, no, God, you better be saying something. We put something to the guys, the completely deadpan. We get to the end, and they said, uh, that doesn't seem too bad. Put it in writing. So we put it in a contract. And so I said to Kev, Kev, this is, we've got these bullet points. You've done all the great. You've done all the grammar. Make sure you make this statement. I said, this statement doesn't really work. You don't fit fill in the, in the proposal. Kev, they are the words that God said. Put it in the proposal. So it was like, well, don't Kev, just put it in the proposal. Don't look, just humor me. Just put it in the proposal. On Wednesday of this week, they sat down with the major investor into this business. The major investor runs ASOS, which is the UK's biggest online retail outlet. 
he makes this statement. He's on the phone buying stocks and shares while he's having his meeting with these guys. And he said, the guys have got this proposal for moving forward. And he said, how much is it? He just told him how much it was. He doesn't want to see the small print. He doesn't want to see anything. This was the statement he made. This is Mr. ASOS, the biggest retail online industry in the UK. I have never dealt with a company of this caliber. They dealt on time. They dealt with creativity. They dealt on budget. Sign up and give them anything they want. You kind of go, scary. This is now tied in for the next two years. The scary thing is this. Apart from us doing what God had said to do, let's get one thing. This is not all God, and I'm not taking all the credit. If you don't do your work, if you don't turn up and you don't deliver on your promises, you're a dipstick. God can't come through for you. We have to do what we can do. He does what he can do. He has his own personal team who do what Kevin and I do. We met with his, well, we did a, a long, very long conversation over the phone with his senior developer who says, I have 60 staff. We cannot do what you're promising to do. We cannot do it. We cannot meet the budget and we can't meet the time frame. And when they turned around and said, this is what the guys are willing to do, the investor laughed in his face and said, it's never going to happen. It happened. We delivered. Oh, that wonderful team, a company of our caliber, was me, Kevin Gull. Three versus 60, they couldn't do it. We did it in four months, not the six months that they said they could do it in. Under budget, on time, and built an extra piece to it. But I say that on the basis of this whole thing of coming to faith. There is a difference between belief and faith. Because the belief is, yes, God, I believe that you can do something. Yes, God, I believe the word can come to me, but it's never been settled in me. Unless you settle it, nothing's going to change. In Hebrews 4 and verse 2, it says this, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they hear did not profit them, for it was not mixed with faith. If we don't mix the word that comes to us with faith, nothing happens. We can hold it. It can be wonderful. We can write it in the flyleaf of our Bible. We can stick it on a frig magnet. We can do whatever we want. If we don't move towards faith, nothing starts to change. But you know, we said before, there is never, ever a problem with his word. It's already been said today, his word is settled in heaven. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says this. So my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish that which I desire and achieve the purpose to which I sent it. The issue is, will the word that we hear be mixed with faith so that we can start to see something different? When the word comes, we can be giddy because the word came. But what do we see? In all the questions that come down, what do you see? Does this sound familiar? You're having a conversation with somebody, especially you've been in your authentic groups. I don't see it. I just don't see it. You're talking. No, I don't see it. And you just, it doesn't register. And then all of a sudden, you have an aha moment, and somebody goes, oh, I can see what you're saying. If we can see what he is saying, our lives will be different, because we will align ourselves in a different way. Paul says this in Ephesians. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. There has to be something that happens on the inside of us that when God starts to declare his word, something changes and it actually starts to become real. We have that moment of the ultrasound and we see the baby which is on the inside. And as we build it, we can start to prepare for it. We make the room, we go and order the cot, we do all the stuff that you're supposed to do. Why? Because there's evidence of a baby and not just a belly full of wind. You telling me you want whatever, gherkins and chips, doesn't mean that you've got a baby. It means you want gherkins and chips. But once I've seen something and the baby's there, we're not caught with wind. I don't know the full, it's just thinking on my, off my feet a little bit. I don't know the full workings of it. Again, we'd have to ask Mel. This whole thing, but we've all heard it before, a phantom pregnancy, yeah. where somebody is convinced 
they're having a baby. They will have morning sickness. Maybe they start to put on weight. Maybe they do different stuff. They talk more about phantom pregnancies with animals, don't they, than they do with women. But it's possible for you to convince yourself that something's happening. We can sit here every week, jump up and down and say, God's great, what's happening? Nothing. But we convince ourselves, like the emperor's new clothes, that something's changing. But once we've seen it, there is no moving away from it. I was reminded just this week, and I had a conversation with Kev. I said there is a difference that when something gets established on the inside of you, and you know it's been rooted, different between I wish, I hope, cross me fingers, where's my lucky rabbit's foot moment. I said to you that when the whole issue came about the faith for receiving gull as our employee, it was settled. It's not an issue. Kev, it's done. We just need to find out how much you'll cost. But when God said to me, this is the strategy to take to them, on the morning of their meeting, you realize I'm not in peace, don't you? Let's not, I'm, there's not some big super spiritual giant going on here. Four o'clock in the morning when I'm pacing my living room, trying to convince myself, because that's part of it. You know when you try and convince yourself that you're in faith? You can't convince yourself that you're in faith. And I had to again take the word and start to declare it. God, this is what you've said. This is where you've come through. And you start to just keep building and building and building. You come to that place where things start to become real. But the eyes of your heart need to be enlightened. So when God releases the word inside of you and you start to come to faith, things begin to happen in a different way. Pastor Tony's been touching on Caleb, hasn't he? And he even used the scripture this morning. For 45 years, the Lord kept him. Was that the scripture we read over two weeks? The Lord kept him for 45 years. Why did the Lord keep him for 45 years? Shall I tell you why the Lord kept him for 45 years? Please bear with me. Because he was living amongst a bunch of scuffers. The people come out of Egypt... God moves and they cross the Red Sea. They go into the wilderness. God is providing the manna. He's providing the quail. There is water from the rock. There is the fire in the cloud. It's all being led on. The clothes didn't wear out. The shoes on their feet. God is God in your midst. I'd like to think I'm convinced. Then don't know how to fight. But each time anybody came against them, whether it was like the him and her, put your hands up, and the battle's being won, all of these things, God's moving And then they make this thing, they come to the declaration of going to see the promised land. So they went, we're not too sure about this this promised land, Lord. So he said, I'll tell you what, why don't you send 12 of your best over to go and scout out the land? So they send the 12 into the land. One was Caleb, one was Joshua. The others were really good guys. They didn't say find anybody you want, they found the best of the best. They came back and they gave the report to Israel and to Moses. And the report was from 10, we cannot go over. Their cities are fortified and we are like grasshoppers in their sight. They are the descendants of the Anakim. They are the giants. We are like this. So they saw themselves and didn't see the God who has just led them through Egypt. Caleb stands up, the scripture says, stops and says to the entire assembly, we can go up. The land is ours for the taking. God kept him for 45 years because of the faith that he came to. They saw that he was a grasshopper or they were grasshoppers in their own sight. Caleb went, my God is all sufficient. My God will break us through. He saw something different with the eyes of faith. There's not many of us compared to this land that we're going to take over. They've got chariots, 45 cities. What have we got? We've got the God of heaven. And when they stood and he stood with what he saw in God, the Bible declares that he is this. He is a man of a different spirit. If you're going to be a man of a different spirit or of a woman of a different spirit, when the word comes to you, it must be mixed with faith. And we need to start declaring, my God, give me the eyes that see. Lord God, I need the eyes at sea that will move in this environment. When David met Goliath, what was his confession that came out? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The armies are facing each other every day for 40 days. They're putting on the best. They even go to worship. They're shouting, they're crying out, but their hearts inside of them had already melted away. The Lord has given me the bear and the lion. What are you? There is something that he sees on the inside of him. 
oh, we're going through a double dip reception, uh, reception, reception, recession. There is no pay rises. Your job's going to be in jeopardy. You've got to work more hours for less. You've got to do this and this and this. Are you established in the word that God has given you that he will keep you? Or have you got to jump through every hoop that they say, why are you coming to faith or are you not? The blind man, when he came to Jesus and Jesus rubs the, the mud on his eyes and Jesus says to him, what do you see? I see like men like trees walking. Go and do it again. Go back and repeat what you needed to do until you came to clarity of sight. Oh, I can see a bit more than I did before. Let's celebrate that. We're not celebrating until we've gone all the way. We're going all the way with him this morning. When God released to us the tree of Tameside, what did we see? Oh, we've gone quiet now. Did we all get giddy about the tree of Tameside? God's going to do something in our generation. We're going to see a generation rise. But what did you see? What was your part in seeing that generation rise? What was prepared in the womb? If we looked and said, a baby's coming in September, October, we've already painted the room, we've got the new carpet, the curtains are up, the teddy bear's bought, we're all ready, we're having a baby shower, we've planned everything. But when God says, I'm touching a generation, what caused us to see to do anything different? Well, we'll sit here passively and wait for this generation and God to say, the door's opening in Tameside. We can't do that. We move towards it, amen? We see something and we move out. The river of healing that God released in this house. Has this house become a pool of Bethsaida? Once a year, if an angel touches you and you're the first one, maybe God will bless you and you'll be the one who gets healed, but blow everybody else. If I'm the first in, if there's somebody to help me into that environment, I'm going to be all right. I'm all right, Jack. Or is there a wellspring which is open, that artesian well that says every life can be touched, that people will come out of the wheelchairs, that the blind will see, that the cripples will walk, that something starts to change? Or are we going to be intimidated every time we see something start to arise? So the word comes up, little Billy's got cancer. We shrink away because it's so big that which we see. Every one of us, every one of us, I'm sure, in this house has had somebody who knows that they've had cancer or died of cancer or been through treatments, and you think, it is so big and God is so small. But the promise of faith that came is, what do you see? When God said a river of healing here, did you see people getting out of wheelchairs? Did you see cancers healed? Did you see people's lives changed? Or did we just say, well, bless him, there's going to be a river of healing here. I'll cross my fingers and, and one day I hope to see it and then I can tell everybody on Facebook what a great idea it was and what a wonderful day we had in the house of God. What do you see? When the word was released to us this year that God was birthing it in this house and giving us everything we need for a discipleship school, what did you see? It's fine us saying we're preparing for it and we'll build the curriculum and we'll build. Did you see yourself opening your home? Did you see yourself saying, I can take a student? Did you see yourself saying, this is what we can do? This is where I'll play a part? Did you even go and turn around and say, my God, I might be a student? What did you see? If you don't see, the word just came again. The word will keep on being sown. There is no famine of the word in the dream center. The issue is, will we mix it with faith when it comes? I saw a picture. And the picture I saw of this when I was preparing and I was just building. I saw lots of people, but let's just take one individual. And what it was, they had a collector. I saw a collector. Yes, so there was a collector. And what they were doing was lifting off a shelf and they were looking longingly at this thing on the shelf. They were polishing it, and it's wonderful, and put it back on the shelf. And they were moved with the warmth inside themselves to, oh, remember when we got this? It was wonderful there. And God said, these were the promises and words that he released into people's lives. They had taken the word and put it on the shelf, and they were hoping one day they'll increase in value, and maybe even one day it'll come to fruition. They believed that they got the word from God. But it was never mixed with faith, so it could never come through to fruition. And it was waiting. 
But all of the time, we've been a custodian of it. Nobody touch it. I'm the only one who does that word. And I go back and I remind myself and I look longingly at it. And they're there all on display. And I can say, yeah, we wrote the word of. This was the word about the tree. And this is the word about the artesian well. And this was the word about that. This was the word about my new coat. This was the word about the change. This was the word about the nations. All of these things that we can say. But God said, I don't give you those words just to sit on a shelf. I don't need to hear my own voice. I gave those words, as I was saying, so that they will be fulfilled. What was the word that was originally to, to Jeremiah? I give you these words to see them fulfilled. God's looking to see his word fulfilled in us. Maybe it's time to take these words and start to sow them back again into the spirit. We take it and we sow it back. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, it declares this. It is written, I believed, and therefore I speak. We love that one, don't we? Love that Corinthians. Since, since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore speak. There are two options. I can believe, and I can speak. Or I can take the word, mix it with faith, and then start to launch it. And when I start to launch that which he has given me, things will change. Thank you for your underwhelming response. We wonder why things don't change because when the word is being hitting us, we need to mix it with faith. It hits us, we lay hold of it, we grab it. I make this statement to you this morning. I bounced it across Pastor Tony before I upset you all, and he said it was okay. So, any problems, see Pastor Tony. You must come to faith because faith is not coming to you. You must come to faith because faith is not coming to you. We have received the deposit of faith. He gives us the deposit of faith for our salvation. We have a measure of faith when it comes towards spiritual gift. We grow in our measure of faith. But even taking authentic into account, what do we say? I have to find myself in the word. And as I'm in the word, the word becomes known to me. The word and the word, the way I treat the word is the way I treat the word. Faith becomes to be established. His word starts to be alive. We start to change, as Pastor Tony started to say, atmospheres. So the word starts to come. So even though we don't see, there is no cattle in the stall. There is no growth that's coming. It looks like everything's against us. God says he's a God of healing, but I'm the one who's sick. All of these things that's moving around, then I find his word. And as I find his word, and he starts to release that faith, and I start to speak it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we start to get it, and we start to sow it. Say, my God, this is what you're declaring. We have not moved to visualization. We've not moved to self-hypnosis, and can I convince myself? Something starts to fire on the inside of you when you get the word, and you sow it back. We sow it back. We take it. We sow it back. I hear it, I speak it, faith is established. I hear it, I take it, more faith is established. And we keep saying, my God, cause us to see, give us eyes that will keep on working. Give us eyes to see that which you want us to see. We have to get past believing and having faith beyond our own unbelief. Is there anybody outside of me Whoever has to take yourself from a place of unbelief to actually get into the place that God might actually do it. Is there anybody else? In Mark 9, 21, 24, it says this. Jesus asked the boy's father. They've brought the boy to Jesus. He's a guy who keeps fitting. He said, how long has the boy been like this? From childhood, he said. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, take pity and help us. What was the response of Christ? His response is, if you can, if you can, question mark. Jesus said, everything is possible to him who believes. God, if you can throw us a mercy drop this morning. If you can just do something, because you've got to help our little situation here. We've not paid our bills for a month. I, I tell you, I don't want to lose my sky telly. It's all going downhill from here. If you can just do something, if I can, everything is possible to those who believe. 
And immediately the boy's father's response was, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. Unbelief, we live in unbelief for two reasons. One is because we see, and the eyes of faith are lost by what we see. Because all of a sudden, it seems bigger than me. The situation is so large. I lose God and I lose perspective in it. And the second one is there is no faith and unbelief will rule when I don't know the God of who he is and how he can come through for me. But the issue that needs to be settled is will he come through for me? On our note of telling you how things have changed, the scripture says this, that if I have faith the size of a mustard seed, tiny, tiny little thing, I can speak to the mountain. Gene's testimony, just of a couple of weeks ago, I started to dare believe God when he said, healing's for you. I was pulled in the pain, wrapped with pain. How many tablets, Gene, a day? 12 to 16 high-end painkillers to start to deal with something. Then I took the word, by his stripes, I am healed. And I start to speak it, start to live it. My God, I'm believing that you can come through for me. We can all believe that God's a healing God. But is it my healing God? I can believe that God is a God of breakthrough. But do I see breakthrough? Because it always seems to be that God does it for everybody else and not me. These things have to be drawn down into my life. Now, I can assure you this. You might have a day, you might have two days. You may even go a week of convincing yourself you're all right, that you're not poorly, that all of a sudden everything's okay. But when you're at that level of pain threshold of 12 to 16 high-end painkillers every day, it's not long before it comes back knocking you on the shoulder and going, excuse me, missus, I think we need to have a conversation. But when faith starts to rise, the fruit of that faith is being outworked in the lady's life. Yeah, I'd like to think I'd be slightly more encouraging when it's your testimony. Jean, I'm standing with you. Bless you, kid, that we're pushing through on that one. We even lose the ability to celebrate with somebody else as they're breaking through and having their moment. Now, we said we're going to keep this real, didn't we? I told you that for this journey that has probably taken eight to ten years of seeing our situation turned around, what God was doing with business, us as individuals, two running parallel but being completely separate, I came home. Ange, this is the news, darling. You better sit down because we're having a moment here now, darling. And this this is what the man's just signed off. What do you believe the response is? I tell you, it was quite like yours, really. (laughs) The response was this. Don't get my hopes up. I've got my hopes up before and had them dashed. Because I believe last time we did something, that was going to work. And the time before that, that was going to work. What makes this one any different? Then you go, it's signed off, kid. It's signed off. It goes to the solicitor next week to be signed off, ratified, stamped in blood, doing everything. No one's getting out of it. This is it. Until it's signed, until it's all done, until it's locked up in the vault, then we'll celebrate. That's not a knockback on Ange. That is a reflection of how we find ourselves in here. God, don't get my hopes up. When the baby was born, when the boy was dead on the bed, don't get my hopes up. You will be, this time next year, you will be with child. Hey, don't get me hopes up. Because if I dare to believe and you don't come through, that's it, you and I is having a moment. Don't get my hopes up. And we daren't step in to the word to see in faith and say, my God, I am willing to take you at your word and go all the way. I'm safe with believing that you can do it. But I never come to faith to say that you can do it with me. 
I can celebrate. You did it with Chris. Chris had a moment. Thank you. We wrote it down. We stuck it on Facebook. We did something. We told the world that you had a moment with Chris. But am I willing to come to faith? What do I see? When the word comes, does it include you? And when it includes you, how do you see yourself? Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. The Lord takes him out into the middle of the valley and asks him the same question. What do you see? He's slightly smarter than Jeremiah. Only you know, Lord. He starts to see the valley of dry bones. There are bones here. And what's God's response? Prophesy. He stands in the middle. He takes the word of God. He believes in faith what God is saying. He says, prophesy. And as he starts to prophesy and he starts to see some movement of the things coming together, is that where he settles? He asks him the question again, what do you see? I now see the bones to bones, sinew to sinew. It's like an army rising. Now prophesy again. Because it's not enough just to turn around and say, God, we thank you for the tree of Tameside. Prophesy until you see it into full fruition. We come into alignment with what he's seen. God asks us, in the spirit, what do you see? The artesian well, what do you see? The healing well, what do you see? Tameside, what do you see? A generation rising, what do you see? Your own life, what do you see? In all of these things, we prophesy again. In Matthew 3.11, it says this. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you and not to them. In the same chapter in verse 16, it declares this. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, because they hear. In all of this process, we can take it further and expound and go into lots of different areas. We're not going to. Today, we just thought we want to try and lay a foundation that we can build on moving forward. But the key is this. We've heard this before, and it becomes a little bit of a cliche. When something is delayed, it's not always denied. It's delayed. So if something is delayed, why is it delayed? If we have it and we laugh about it, because the UK is the only nation in the world that comes to a grinding halt as soon as anything happens, you can live in Russia with 30 foot of snow, we get four snowflakes, the world stops. You can get on a train and it's now autumn, and what is it? There is a delay because there was a leaf on the line. And we laugh about the rubbish infrastructure that we have here in the UK. But there is a reason and an understanding why something is delayed. I'm sorry that your dinner was delayed, Mr. Higginson. Would you like a free drink? But we've got new staff that we're training in. The There's a reason why something's delayed. So if something's delayed, we need to ask the question, God, why is it delayed and what can I do about it? Or did I never see it in the first place? Did you see correctly or incorrectly? If we missed it, be big enough to hold up our hands to repent and say, my God, I thought I saw and I didn't. I thought I saw it all, but I didn't. I was caught away. I had too much cheese before I went to bed. Whatever it is, I thought I saw something. And in all kind of honesty, I stand before you and say, I thought I saw. I declared him being giddy. This is what I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't. But if something's delayed and God's saying, I'm waiting for you to see so that you can come to faith to sow it again in the spirit, that's something completely different. But God would ask the question of us this morning, what do you see? Even if we've been here this morning, what do we see? Pastor encouraged us three, time, uh, three times this morning, come into the throne room, see yourself before him, come he's moving amongst us. Did you see yourself moving towards the throne room or did you hear somebody just going, how quick is it before we get to the next bit? 
It's so easy to step yourself out. God is looking to open your eyes. Mary brought the word, said about Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. And his heart was a response to Christ. He said, you believed because I said I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater than this. There is no limitation for what God can show us in the spirit and how faith can start to grow. But I'll tell you, you know, like you can go to the gym and you can work it out and you can try and convince yourself that you can lift more than you can and you can run faster and you can do all the stuff because I'll just try and beat myself up a little bit. Try and beat yourself up and see how much faith you get. Nothing changes. The word has to come. And when it's locked into you and the agreement comes, something changes. But when he says there's a river of healing, is it your river? When he said he's going to touch a generation, will you be part of that generation? When God said discipleship school, what part are you? Or will church have a discipleship school to the church that you go to? What do you own? If you don't see it, you can't build it. But you must come to faith because faith is not coming to you. Let's stand to our feet. Father God, we just pray this morning that, Lord, as we started, Lord God, in the spirit, in the worship, you've carried us through even to the declaration that we made at the beginning, that, Lord God, the enemy will not steal this seed, that, Lord God, the cares of the life will not choke it, the immaturity won't reduce it, but my life will produce a harvest, 30, 60, and a hundredfold. Again, we pray, my God, the rain of heaven, the dew of heaven to touch our lives this morning, Lord God, that, Father, a harvest will be produced. But, Lord God, I pray as you're leading us and bringing us into the light, that again, my God, I pray that you have revealed to us the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, that I have given you eyes that see and ears that hear, that my God, you have already given us spiritual 2020 vision. And I pray this morning, my God, that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. Cause us to respond not only to a yes to your word, but cause us to see and cause faith to be established. Lord God, we want to build with you and not against you. Lord God, we thank you for every word released into this womb. But Lord God, we pray... If there is a delay for something that we need to do, we pray for clarity in the Holy Ghost to show us, Lord God, why something will not be hindered and it will not be delayed. We pray again for that river of healing. We pray for those breakthroughs. We pray for those jobs. We pray for that establishing of lives. We pray for a generation rising that, Lord God, it will not be missed and that, Lord God, we will play our part as we work alongside you. Establish faith in in us again, Lord God. Cause us to see as you would see. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Bless you. Oh, bless you, Lord. Amen.